Listeners and welcome to the AC Podcast. My name is Troy, but I will not be your host for today's episode. Today I get to hand it over to none other than Wesley Huff. Wes is sitting down with a special guest named Avner Boski. Avner lives in the Beersheba region of Israel and is dedicated to stirring up the creative arts with his wife through worship, intercession, evangelism, and prophetic gifts within the Jewish and Israeli matrix. I know what you're thinking, and that's exactly why we did it. Given the current cultural climate that is going on between Israel and Palestine, the tension that is now most recently at the forefront of our news as we're seeing the horrific images of all that is going on, specifically in the nation of Gaza, we wanted to sit down with someone who is boots on the ground to get a better understanding of what is going on, how can we pray, and what is the biblical and historical relevance of all of these things. So please, please listen and enjoy this podcast. And after you listen to it, please share it with a friend. Just before we get to the podcast, I must remind you that November 3rd and the 4th, AC is heading to Ontario to hold our Rethinking Identity Apologetics Canada Conference at Glad Tidings Church in Burlington, Ontario. Fear, anxiety, frustration. We all feel it. These are some of the topics that feel off limits unless you want to get labeled or canceled. Controversial cultural issues are affecting the dynamics of family, school, work, and church. We'd rather avoid talking about them, but not talking about them isn't helping. Christians are called to be the light of truth and show the love of God. This is no easy task, and to do it well, we need to talk. So the AC Conference is coming to Ontario to do just that. We will discuss the most pressing cultural issue of the day, identity. So sign up today and join the conversation. To do so, you can head to apologeticscanada.com slash conference 23 dash Ontario forward slash. We have some incredible main sessions from none other than Ontario's very own Tim Barnett from Stand to Reason. We also will have Elizabeth Urbanowitz from foundationworldview.com, Tim Woodcock, who's actually the lead pastor of Glad Tidings Church, and many of our own from Apologetics Canada. So once again, head to apologeticscanada.com slash conference 23-Ontario and sign up today. We hope to see you guys there. Now, let's get into this podcast. Well, hello listeners, Wes here from Apologetics Canada, and uh, I'm sure all of you have been, especially if you're News feeds are up and you're watching. Uh, there's a lot going on globally, but particularly in the Middle East, particularly in Israel and Palestine. And so we at Apologetics Canada, we wanted to make sure that there was at least some voice being spoken into this situation. And so fortunately, through friends of the ministry, we were able to connect with Avner. Avner Bosky is a Canadian, he's a Jew, and he's currently living in Israel. Um, Avner, why don't you just uh, introduce yourself and tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and, and what you do at the offset? I'd be glad to do so, Wes. I'm originally from Montreal, spent about 20 years there. I was involved in uh, studying at McGill and uh, I was a rock musician with some of the uh, French-Canadian rock groups. Ended up coming to faith when I was about 20. Moved down and worked with various ministries in the States. Went to uh, uh, Dallas Seminary as well. And mm -hmm. then uh, moved over to Israel, uh, where I took a degree at uh, Hebrew University. And uh, have been involved as a tour guide there for many years. And also a pastor both in Israel and in Russia and in America. Mm, wow. 
lots of lots of different points of intersection there, especially with what's going on globally. Makes um, makes for fun life. Yeah, yeah. The listeners will know. You know, I myself grew up a missionary kid in in the Middle East, and a turmoil in the Middle East is not something new. In fact, the reason why my family uh, left both Pakistan and uh, a little bit later in Jordan was because of of tensions. But the tensions in where you are right now, they've they've really heated up. Uh, could you just give us a little bit of a background? Just briefly, how how did we get here, and uh, what in recent days has has taken place? Well, you can start a long time ago. You probably could go back to Abraham. Right. That might be the origin. Now, Abraham, of course, had a son Ishmael, and uh, most of the uh, Muslims in this area are not actually descended from him. The Ish- Ishmaelites are more in the Saudi Arabia area, uh, and then he uh, Isaac had a son named Esau. And uh, Esau would be what you call Edom or the area of uh, southern, central southern Jordan. These people moved in during the Babylonian invasion in 601 BC to the West Bank. So many of the people who are called Palestinians are actually Edomites, biblically speaking. So there's a, if, if people study the word, if they like the Bible, of course, it depends how you look at the Bible. Because there are many people mm-hmm. who see the Bible as a devotional book only for uh, their own personal encouragement. They don't see it as actually uh, having specific uh, prophetic teaching or last day's teaching, or even referring to the Jewish people. What happened Mm. when the Roman Empire became Christianized is the whole uh, issue of God's calling on the Jewish people in Romans 11, 28 and 29, the gifts and callings of God he gave them are irrevocable, became uh, uh, not PC. And what happened then is the view was that the Bible is a devotional book written for Gentiles, but has nothing mm-hmm. to say specifically about the Jews. So here you have in 1948 and earlier, Jewish people coming back to the land, the same land God had promised to them. And that's a real hard thing for many Christian theologians at that time, because he said it can never happen. And, and mm-hmm. it did. And then in 67, Jerusalem came under uh, Jewish control for the first time in nearly 2,000 years. So these are things which caused a real re-examination among many Christians as to could it possibly be that the Bible, which is 95% written by Jews and 95% talking about the Jews, actually referred to the Jews. And so that's Mm -hmm. part of the background going on here is speaking apologetically since it's an apologetics program. Uh, specifically Gaza, uh, since uh, probably didn't really have any Arabs until around 638. That was with the Muslim invasion. Before then, there would have been Greeks there and some Canaanites. Uh, I speak as a student of Jewish history and biblical history. So, mm-hmm. And then the Crusaders came in. Uh, they found onions there, which they called uh, in Ashkelon. So they called them scallions from Ascalon in Greek, and that's where we get scallions from. They came to Gaza, and they found cloth, and they called it Gaza. We call it Gauze today. So there's some interesting crusader connections there. But basically, uh, after the jihadi invasion in 638, Gaza became mostly an Arabic-speaking Islamic area. Not too many Jews living there at all. And and when uh, 1948, when uh, Israel came to be birthed as a modern state, you had the situation of Egypt controlling Gaza till 1967. 
And uh, they did not allow the Gazans to immigrate to Egypt. They actually put up machine gun nests to stop them from moving. They were not friendly to any Palestinian uh, movements, so-called. Only one year before, in 1947, if you said Palestinian, you actually meant either Jew or Arab, because that's the history of that, and that's a whole lecture there, which I'm not going to get into tonight. But what happened in 67 is 56 for a month or two, and then 67, Israel took over that area, which had been, again, a military base against Israel. And what happened is from 67 onward, Israel's been overseeing that area until 2004-2006, when uh, Ariel Sharon, the prime minister, unilaterally disengaged and took all the Israelis out from there. So there are no more Israelis have been there for, what is it, 20, uh, 17, 17, 18 years has it been? Yeah, something like that. And uh, Making you do math. So what happened at that time is the PLO, uh, which was a terror group, considered like the Bader-Meinhof group and other groups like that, uh, Japanese Red Army, the Red Brigades, they were all working together, IRA as well. They were considered the main threat to Israel. And Israel helped actually an Islamic group um, in what they would call dawah, which is an Arabic word meaning kind of outreach, I guess you would say, through doing good works. But it also means telling uh, non-Muslims the choice that they have, and if they don't accept Islam uh, based on the uh, Islamic teaching, at that point they have a choice of either being uh, vanquished or put to death. So in any case, that group started, and that was uh, Sheikh Yassin's group called Hamas. And Hamas means the Islamic resistance group. And they were two levels of that group. One was above ground, which was social welfare. And the one which was below ground was a terror group, which the whole idea was to kidnap and, uh, and murder uh, Israelis. And uh, they built themselves up to the point where they challenged the PLO. So when Jimmy Carter came in in 2006 and said, let's have free elections, it's the uh, kind of the communist principle for elections. One man, one vote, one time. And so that's kind of what happened in 2006. Hamas won the elections after Israel had pulled out. Within a very brief time, began to kneecap and throw PLO people off the tops of buildings, and then turned uh, the uh, Gaza Strip into a basically Islamist state uh, with the goal of destroying Israel, using it as a battleship to destroy Israel. Iran came in and began to um, train and strategize and supply arms for three groups. One was Hezbollah in Lebanon, one was Islamic Jihad in Gaza, and the other was Hamas, as well as control a lot of influence in Syria. And that's part of their colonialist goals in the Middle East, which is to become the main Islamic force in, and to replace the Sunni Islamic force would be Saudi Arabia. So partly what's going on right now is Iran speaking to Saudi Arabia, to America, to Israel, saying we're not happy with the realignments going on we see ourselves as the strong horse, and we're going to create these problems in order to basically see if we're going to engage in this kind of Shiite uh, last days uh, war. So that's a very mm. short uh, explanation. There's a lot of history there, too. Yeah, no, I appreciate you taking the time and going that far back. I think it is important to go that far back and outline that, you know, there's a history that goes thousands of years for the Jewish people in this land. Yeah. It's um, and, and that the modern tensions, you know, that's also been going on a, a long time. I mean, the word Palestine, as I'm sure you all know, Abner, from the second century is what the Romans labeled the area 
really in in mockery of, of the Jewish people, derived from the the word Philistine, you know, you know Syria Palestina. That's right. Um, it was it was kind of a uh, curse, a jab at the Jewish people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. And so, it, it, even using that word alone, uh, there's a long history that's um, I don't know, if controversial is the right word. It's it's a really hard thing because. Uh, God is not politically correct. He's biblically correct. And uh, so when he says, I'm going to, like in Ezekiel 37, I'm going to bring the Jewish people back to their own land. That's what he calls it. Yeah. And he says, I'm going to take these dry bones and I'm going to put my Holy Spirit in them in the land. And some of us say, well, yeah. listen, the Jewish people don't know Jesus and most of us don't. But uh, God says, I believe in something called grace, which is unmerited yeah. favor. And so God can work with nations and give grace in an unmerited way, whether it be Canada or God shine his grace on thee as they sing in America sometimes, and with Israel. And here he is bringing us back, and most of the world isn't that favorable to that. And uh, so that kind of sets us up, I think, for some other things in the prophetic scriptures. And of course, you know, it's interesting, when the Roman Empire took over the church, anything about Jews in prophecy became illegal, but to apply all these prophetic words to the Christian church, that was spiritual, and that's still mm. very strong in the church today. So when I'm talking about prophetic promises to Israel actually coming to pass, that may strike some of your listeners as being maybe, you know, is that radical? It's totally radical. But the word radical in Latin comes from the word radix. Or radish, you would say, and that means a root. We're getting back to the roots. Right. No, I, I appreciate that. And as a as a, a student of church history myself, um, I think that there was a lot lost as the church, as the the earliest Christian movement was a Jewish movement. Yeah. It was Jewish believers in the Messiah. Yeah. And I think there was a there's a lot to be lamented as that moved away into a predominantly Gentile movement, and there were a lot of things that I think to to our detriment that, that we lost theologically, historically, and even just from a, a foundational base. I was talking to someone recently, and they were asking me questions about the book of Revelation. And it was so clear as, you know, someone who is a student of church history and biblical studies, that the, the category of um, apocalyptic literature, from an, a Jewish perspective, I mean, it, Revelation fits into this club, right? But if you divorce it from that, you can see why. I don't understand what's going on here. And so that's just a, a small example, kind of an aside. But th this is a, a, the New Testament is a, a Jewish yeah. document. There's two, um, two little uh, proverbs. One is that a specialist is someone 50 miles away from home. And that's part yeah. of the history of the church. But the other side is God made this world 99% non-Jewish. So he loves non-Jews as well. And the amazing thing is the gospel invites non-Jews into what Ephesians 2 and 3 calls the commonwealth of Israel without changing their race or their sex or their financial status. Mm. So therefore, Jews and Gentiles together are under the umbrella of the commonwealth of Israel, and that's a term Canadians could probably understand far better, at least older Canadians who remember the commonwealth. Uh, it doesn't mean you're all blonde-haired and blue-eyed. It could be African Indian or whatever. Um, and so the Commonwealth involves all this rainbow, this panoply of different people, but it's called a Jewish olive tree. No, I, I really appreciate you highlighting that, that flyover um, of, of the history. So in light of that, you know, we're seeing a lot of headlines, uh, a lot of 
things that are going on right now, what currently, especially as someone who's who's there, who's in Israel, what what currently is happening, and what is the impact of that on you and on uh, both uh, Jews and and Christians living in the region? Well, two things. I think one, uh, many people are not aware of what it's like to live in the Middle East or the Arab world, Muslim world. Uh, and so mm. we have had to deal with, we have neighbors who are, many of them, like Osama bin Laden, uh, not all of them. And uh, like even in Gaza, there's many people who are not happy with Hamas's rule. In Jordan, you mm. have many people who want to have a quiet life, but you also have what's called al-Ikhwan al-Muslimin, which is the Muslim Brotherhood. And they're interested in overthrowing the king. So uh, it's not monochromatic in terms of what's going on here. Uh, and so what ha what's happened basically is the influence of Hamas is very similar. Its origins are Muslim Brotherhood, and it, that would be also the, uh, the PLO, and that would be also ISIS. I guess that's the name they're known by in, in Canada. Is that right, ISIS? Yeah. Daesh in yep. Arabic. And uh, they believe in the classical uh, understanding of the goal of Islam. And uh, there are Unitarian Muslims, and there are secular Muslims, but there are what you would call people who believe in uh, prosecuting jihad. And jihad, according to Bernard Lewis, who was the world's specialist in Islam out of Princeton, said it is always used in a military sense. And so we have mm -hmm. a group, basically, which sees its goal as, as it says in the scriptures of Islam, kill and be killed. So they are like kamikaze people in Japan. They're, they're quite prepared to die, which makes them very bold. They planned for a year this campaign with Iranian help. They basically, on the Saturday morning at 6.30, there was a barrage of rockets all over the south of Israel, and then they, using low-tech paragliders, came in and dropped manual bombs on all the observation towers along the, the border. And with tractors and motorcycles and pickup trucks, came in pre-planned at 20 different spots, came into these different farms, which are called kibbutzim or moshavim, and proceeded methodically to massacre. Right now, I think it's uh, 1,200 people. And that meant pulling families out of their beds, machine gunning people who were hiding. It meant in one kibbutz called Kfar Aza, they actually found yesterday morning 40 babies, many of them with their heads cut off. Uh, it's the type of cruelty that we know from the news in terms of uh, ISIS in Syria and Iraq. But uh, this is the same thing. There are even flags of ISIS that they were carrying that I've seen. So that, that is their goal. I mean, this is the vision. Uh, it's the vision of crushing the enemy totally. And they, they killed uh, many, many people. They it was a music festival of 200 uh, many people, 100, I don't know, a couple of, I, I'm not sure the total amount, but I think it was at least 500, maybe 1,000. And they machine gunned uh, teenagers and people in their 20s, 250 people. And then the women who survived, the teenage women, they raped them in, in front of the corpse, in, right in the midst of the corpses. They kidnapped over 150 people. Uh, brought them into Gaza, and they've been releasing since then snuff videos of them decapitating Israeli soldiers, gang-raping uh, teenage girls, and torturing and killing kids. So this is a very heavy thing. It's kind of like World War II and the Nazis coming into Ukraine and Poland. And we're seeing it again, and we're seeing it on the media. It's a very, very hard thing. 
And uh, that's caused a lot of shock in the nation. More Jews died that day than have died at any one day since the Holocaust. So it's a very heavy thing that's happened. And one cannot ignore the spiritual or religious connections based on what they themselves, the terrorists, believe. Yeah, I mean, the the news has just been kind of an, an onslaught lately, and it's been it's been really hard to even keep track of just the carnage and uh, and the goings on. Um, my coworker Andy and I actually did just this last July. We were we were in Germany and we were in Poland, and and we actually did a little bit of filming um, just by Auschwitz. And to be there and see, you know the monument of uh literally inscriptions of never again and then to see what's happening is just it's 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 been tough it's been heartbreaking to just it really is and i think also people don't want to have to deal with that especially in the west where there's ease of life and people think everyone's gone through the reformation the enlightenment and now we're all secular yeah. and happy and everyone has their choice there's a whole bunch of areas in the world that don't buy into that, specifically yeah. in what you call the Islamist perspective. And I would also say the Chinese communist perspective. They don't buy into that issue of human rights and Western democracy. It's not part of it. And this is what yeah. we have to deal with. And when it, when it shows itself, it's a shock. In Israel, we say every day is 9-11. So it's not as much of a shock, but we are shocked right now at what happened. Yeah, I think that's a good point for the listeners to hear is that, you know, especially for us living in the West, I've, I've lived in, in majority Muslim countries and, and lived in, in third world countries, but uh, a lot of us haven't. And we assume that Judeo-Christian ethics are the norm, you know, that people have intrinsic value and that we should be fighting for people's worth and value and looking for to, you know, people who are mar marginalized in order to pull them up. But that's that's not a given. That's not a given. No. That's a, a Western value yeah. that we get from the scriptures, yeah. um, both the Old and New Testaments. Reality sometimes has this uh, awkward way of bumping into us sometimes. Yeah, it's good to be reminded of that. So in light of that, you know, we've highlighted some of the, the background and, and, and the, the travesty of what's going on currently. But our, our goal for this podcast is not necessarily to educate but also, we, we want people to not just know what's going on, but be able to pray and to help if and, if and where they're able to. So, Avner, how would you ask people here who maybe are feeling a little bit helpless or feeling a little bit overwhelmed, what can they, they do? How can they pray for the nation of Israel, for the, the turmoil that's going on in in the Middle East, um, and even for you yourself? It's a really good question. You know, Jonathan Edwards used to talk about the utter sinfulness of sin. And uh, I think sometimes we don't really understand that. We This concept of one drop of AIDS is all it takes. It doesn't need much more to infect. And so uh, in terms of looking at the this whole thing, I think one of the first things is to look at it on one's knees with a Bible in one's hand. Does the Bible talk about what's happening and where things are going? I think so. And my job is not to actually get into that, but just to say, hey, read the Bible as if it's a real book with real principles and things are happening. So if God says he's bringing the Jewish people back and the Jewish people don't yet know Jesus, one of the first things to do is Romans 1.16, which Paul puts at the head of his gospel teaching. And he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ or Messiah, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew proton. 
Now, that Greek proton we know from chemistry, but it means with priority or chiefly or especially. Now, why would it be that the gospel about a Jewish Messiah, son of David, ruling out of Jerusalem, has any Jewish relevance? But it does. Of course it does. And so bringing the gospel and praying for the Jewish people for their protection, because if they're dead, that's the end of the story, their protection and their salvation is really important as a first thing. The second thing is, Romans 1.16 says, communicate the gospel to all people, but with priority to the Jewish people. That's a very non-PC message in the church in Canada today, but it's very much part of the Pauline gospel. The third point is, uh, and we saw this with Corey Ten Boom, and we saw this with Japanese citizens in Canada in World War II, that sometimes the world can turn against people, and the Bible prophesies that the world is going to turn against the Jewish people and actually engage in a uh, international invasion of the land. Now, again, some people don't believe in prophecy, and that's all right. I'm not so much speaking to you. I just want to be nice to you and smile. But for those who really want to study, and you look at Zechariah 12 through 14, Ezekiel 38 and 39, and probably the other three or 400 passages in the scripture that talk about these things, what would you do if you were Corey Ten Boom living in Harlem or Amsterdam? Would you be willing to? Uh, be a Dietrich Bonhoeffer, if I can mix my metaphors? Would you be willing to uh, help if Jewish people were persecuted again? Because I believe uh, that that's really coming down the pike. And uh, there were those who stood up, like the White Rose Movement in Germany, Christians who, who said, no, we have to stand. So intercession, evangelism, and looking to see how God would catalyze us to be a proactive influence for Yeshua. I think it's very important because they say if Christ is the answer, what's the question? And most of mm. us don't know what the question is in terms of what the Jewish community is dealing with right now. Yeah. Wow. And and you yourself, um, how can you know our audience and us um, pray for you as as you're there and you're you know ministering? Well, uh, you can uh, a couple of things, I guess. Uh, our website is davidstent.org, so you can always be in touch with us and. We write and explain what's going on in the Middle East. There are books and music and worship. But pray for us that the Lord, as Paul would say, would give us an open mouth and the courage mm. to be able to speak his truth in hard times. I believe that's in Ephesians chapter 6. He said that way. You say, Paul needs courage. Paul needs opportunity. <laughs> he asked for people to pray for that. So, yeah, I think that would be the thing. And praise, uh, you know, I want people to pray for the Jewish people to come and say, uh, we recognize you, son of David. You know, could you imagine, I have to say King Charles now, but I would have said Queen Elizabeth all my life because I saw her face on the dollar when I grew up in Canada. Could you imagine if Queen Elizabeth were loved in Canada and hated in Britain or, or despised in Britain? So the son of man, the son of David, many people think that Christianity is an enemy of the Jews, and in history a lot of it, that's true. But Jesus as our king, is not yet received and honored among his own people. And that gives, I would think, a certain amount of pain to him, because how can you be a king to all the nations but not to your own people? So I think to pray for that, Matthew 23, 37 through 39, where Jesus says, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. 
That's a promise that the Jewish people are going to do that. It's in Zechariah 12 and many other places. But to pray for the salvation, the protection, and the welfare. Uh, seek the good of Jerusalem, as it says in the Psalms. Those are good things to pray about. Yeah, well, I really appreciate that. You know, it's, sometimes we feel like these issues are are more complex, and I, I think that's that's true, but they're both probably more complex than we make it and more simple than we make it. Mm -hmm. And so despite uh, maybe a lot of just the, the white noise that a lot of people are hearing, to focus on the gospel and say, yeah, you know, as, as Paul said 2,000 years ago, it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. That's for the right. Jew first, That's right. then to the Greek. Amen. You know, it's, it's, we, we need to make sure we're reminding yeah. ourselves yeah. of that and, and the importance of that. And, and I, so, I think for the world also that the Jewish people are going to be a litmus test uh, for how people uh, respond to what the Word of God teaches about them. Because if the tendency mm -hmm. toward anti-Jewishness, anti-Semitism continues, and the tendency toward um, buttering your bread on maybe the wrong side continues, it's going to lead to uh, things which are not Genesis 12.3, where you know those who bless uh, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will be blessed. There's another side to the bread, and that is those who make light of the calling, that's the Hebrew word mekalalecha, make light or dis or disdain the calling on the Jewish people will be cursed. And that's that's a heavy mm. thing. People don't want to talk about that, but it's kind of like hell. People don't want to talk about hell either. So Yeah, yeah. But the important topics to talk about yes, nonetheless. Indeed. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time, um, Avner, give you a, a toda rabah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right try try so um yeah and and just taking the time out especially uh with your own situation for the listeners you know we we tried to schedule this a little bit earlier but th there was trouble uh th that happened and so we weren't able to do that and so I'm, I'm really glad we were able to pin down this time and even though it's a lot later for you than it is for me here um, we're just very thankful that you took the time out and to focus on Give us an overview, but focus on really what should be focused and, well, and give us It's a pleasure to be sharing with you, especially because you're from Canada, because I have wonderful memories and a, a wonderful warm history. Of course, it was Quebec. I don't know if you could still call that Canada, but there was certainly sugaring offs and, uh, and the Canadians beating Toronto all the time in hockey, so... Well, as a Torontonian, I'll, I'll let that go for the moment. But uh, <laughs> admittedly, I'm I'm not much of a, a a hockey fan, so to me, it's no skin off my back. Yeah. But um, for all the the listeners in Toronto, we won't we promise not to hold that against you. Yes, indeed. Uh, but yeah, thank you uh, for for everyone out there who's listening. Uh, continue to pray, pray for Israel, like Avner said. Uh, pray for the world. You know, we live in a world that's hurting that's broken. It needs Jesus so badly. Amen. And um, we need to make sure that we are loving God and loving people. And uh, there's, you know, we, we enjoy so much in the West, but we cannot take that for granted, knowing that there are believers and unbelievers alike around the world who are experiencing persecution and suffering. Hugely so. Yeah. For all the listeners out there, uh, once again, I thank you for taking the time to listen to this. Um, as always, love God, love people. We'll talk to you next time.
Hey, listeners, thank you so much for tuning into the AC Podcast. We pray that you were challenged and encouraged. If you had any questions for us or wanted to maybe get connected with Avner, you can obviously head to his website. But if you forgot, you can always send us an email at info at apologeticscanada.com. We will respond in kind and we will point you in the right direction. The AC Podcast is a ministry of Apologetics Canada, so make sure to like and subscribe on all of your favorite streaming platforms as well as on YouTube. Pay attention to our events page. we got a lot of things coming up. Up. The Leadership Summit applications are flying, but we will run out of spots. October 27th to the 29th, come join us in the beauty of the coastal mountains of BC at Sasquatch Mountain in Agassiz, where we will be having so many conversations around leadership, but ultimately, what does it mean to be a professional thought leader? Head to apologeticscanada.com slash leadership dash summit dash BC forward slash and make sure you apply today. That's all I got for you. Thank you so much for tuning in to AC Podcast. You know the drill. Love God, love people. Bye for now. It's the AC Podcast. Podcast.